But let's face it, the people who go back into a weather spoon mid-June probably were going to win Darwin Awards anyway. Oh, yeah! But think of the staff, though, Chris. Think of the staff. I know, I know. Well, hey, uh, this is I think this is one instance where regardless of their financial situation, there would be an, as many just giving accounts and, and GoFundMe accounts as possible donating to Old Weatherspoon staff members if they chose to not go back to work. Well, they are somewhat unionized now. Really? Yeah, they did do some organizing uh Good. years back over, you know, conditions at the spoons. Uh, yeah. So I don't know if all of them are, but I think there's a couple yeah, of them that are. So I'd have to look enough into to it. like rally. So that's you know, hey, I hope so because Jesus Christ, they're the only business in the UK where the, the the twat at the top has just gone. Yep, we're looking to re- reopen mid June. It's like, well, of course y- he is. You're looking to okay. Of course, we know is. the meteor's about to hit, but we're thinking we might open about a week after. <laughs> the meteor's what? Are- oh. The meteor's about so, to hit. UFOs are real. The virus is consuming the world. Oh, <laughs> it's the whole, it's the unholy trinity. And cinema is dead. And cinema it's is like dead. Indiana Jones. But so we're Indiana not. Jones. It, we're alive. It's a, it's a trilogy with a crap epilogue. Hey. Much like us, boys and girls. Yeah, we are alive and we are big and we are damn big damn cast here with all the geeky gossip and nerdy news, fit to. Scrape out the barrel of the very dry internet today. Because it turns out, aside from this biscuit I'm eating, there's not many interesting things in the world of popular culture There's right literally now, nothing interesting in the world at all. Sod all is happening. Everything's awful. So, uh, My heroes are dead uh, and my enemies are in power. Yeah. Oh, jeez. God, when you put it that way. <laughs> Has the world been infected with the Parker look? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, that's what's happened. It's it's late two thousand Spider Man. Steve Rogers is dead. We're not registered. Osborne's in power. <laughs> We're screwed. I'm rereading Redheaded Stranger at the minute. Yeah, that too. Jeez. Yeah, I'm reading uh, rereading Redheaded Stranger at the minute. I forgot how terrifying Chameleon was in that short story um, arc. Yeah, Chameleon. Yeah. He's got the blank face and the story. The issue one is bookended with him. Getting hold of the security guy. No, he's not the security guy. He's the living statue who works outside yeah. um, the mayoral office. And the guy's just talking to him, saying, like, please, just... He's strapped to a chair, and he's like, please, let me go. Like, I, I don't even have any money. Dude, I own, like, next to nothing. And Chameleon's, like, repeating back to him, like, dude, I own, like, next to nothing. And he's obviously, like, practicing the voice. Yeah. And then he shoots this, like, gunk thing at the guy's face, and it solidifies, and he suffocates, and he dies, and the chameleon peels it off and puts it into the mold to create the mask of the guy's face. And he presses a button, and the chair he's strapped to uh, descends on a mechanized thing into a vat of acid under the floor to melt the body away. And then the chair comes back up, dripping and draining, and you're like, this is terrifying. And then the same thing happens at the, the same thing happens at the very end of the issue to Peter Parker. And you're like... Oh my god! It's horrifying. And then they wait a whole issue of Chameleon effing around in Peter's life, like getting close to the mayor and everything. Before at the very end of the issue, Peter breaks through the floor. 
and you realize that he somehow managed to survive like the bath the acid bath and he gets out and he's like oh my god and i put i put it down there it was like two in the morning i was like i can't remember exactly what happens next but i'm not sitting up to read it because i won't go to sleep i have been reading more fantastic four yeah i'm currently in the walt simonson run you don't need no more and things and things got his thing back beg your pardon things got his thing back is that like how Stella got her groove back? So for a while, Ben Grimm wasn't the thing. But Sharon Ventura was the she thing, but also Ms. Marvel. Yeah. So. 70s? No, this is ni- This is late 80s. This is 1991, I think I'm at now. Oh, good God. End of 1990, so This explains so much about the world you grew into as a toddler Sorry, and I've, the world I was born into. <laughs> I've read nearly 30 years of Fantastic Four. At this point. Some some would say that's a terrible mistake. I don't know. The John Byrne I... stuff's really great. The Walt Simonson stuff so far is is mostly pretty good. Mm. Um some of it not so much. <laughs> well that was back when John Byrne was like knocking it out of the park, Man of Steel. John Byrne came on to um Fantastic Four off the back of Dark Phoenix. Oh there you go. So he went he went oh, he came out of his X Men run. And went straight into Fantastic Four. With the difference being that Fantastic Four was his first like full writing gig. Yeah. So he was co-plotting with Chris Claremont on X-Men and then he wrote Andrew Fantastic Four. Jesus. Did a hell of a job. Yeah. And then, yeah, Man of Steel. Cracking my stuff. Introdu- my introduction to him wasn't good. <laughs> my introduction to John Byrne's writing was uh, the late 90s, early 2000s Spider-Man. Uh, yeah, no, hang on. Yeah. No, he was ah. To be fair, he wasn't writing Howard Howard Mackie. Oh, Howard Mackie. Yeah, that's not a good run on Spider-Man. Yeah. That's awful. the stuff immediately prior to um, Jay Straczynski in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the run ends really good. Amazing Spider-Man, as it ended in like '99, is great because it's like John Romita see John Romita Junior's there, and he's finally starting to hone the style we now know to be his style. Yeah. And it's really... where like he's holding up the bugle and he saves the day and everything, and then Jameson's like bollocking him and he just comes out of it all and he just goes, "Screw you, forget it." And it's like what? And he's like, "No, forget it." And he just walks away and decides, "No, seriously, that's it. I'm throwing the towel in. This is ridiculous. Like, what am I doing with my life?" And the book ends and you're like, "What?" And then Amazing Spider-Man number one what? comes out like four or five months later. You're like, "Wait, what? What do you mean number one? What's that? This was the first time it was like volume two. Yeah." And it, it was it was so bizarre, and that that's when an imposter swinging around being Spider Man, and Peter's watching it like going about his life, being like, I don't know, no, maybe I should get involved. No, no, living a normal life, everything's finally looking up. Okay, everything's good. We're having a good time. Everything's great. No, not getting involved. Yep, don't care that there's a Spider Man out there. Oh God, they were a bit sloppy there. They might have died. Maybe I should talk to them. But no, 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 not happening. Not happening. Not happening. And then he finally does, and it ends up being what's her face, the lady who becomes. What's her name? Matty, whatever. Where she she becomes like Spider Woman. Oh, Matty Franklin. Yeah, she's Spider Girl. Um, she's also uh... at this point she's like fifteen and she's, she's like strapping her chest down and all this and trying to look like Spider Man as much as she can so that no one would ever suspect it was a young girl being Spider Man. Well, she's also J. Jonah Jameson's foster daughter. Yeah, and which they seem to forget about. She's also in an on. arc of Alias. Yes, where she she's is. being used as a source of mutant growth hormone. For a yeah. bunch of junkies. Yeah. She goes runaway. She's one of those characters who 
they were like, oh, this will be great. And then no one really did anything with her. And then someone went, oh, we could do something with her. And then they did it, and then nothing else happened. And then eventually she gets mentioned at some point, and then they move on, and you're like... I feel like that happened to a lot of, mm. like, Spider-Girl, Spider-Woman characters. Like, Julia Carpenter eventually got to be Madame Web. Yeah. So that was something. But that um, took them killing... That took them killing off Madam Web for them to open yes. that up to even be a possibility. Because Jessica Drew was all over the place. Yeah. Um, She's been the most prosperous yeah. in terms of like actually having a storyline, a fan base. Aranya? Made... Remember Aranya? I have, a, I have an Aranya figure from her redesign where she's got like a more uh, symbiote-looking suit. Like it's black with the white stuff. Yeah. But yeah, she for ages was like in trainers and a backpack and all that stuff, and was like trendy two thousand teenager kind of design. Mm-hmm. And MC Two Spider Girl kept running for a long time though after the rest of the MC Two stuff finished. That was a pretty good book, and I think part of the reason for that though, aside from what if their daughter had lived and was actually born and was a spider person yeah, and the yeah. future, like apart from that kind of fun what if premise, um, what was her name? Mayday Parker. Mayday Parker. Um, the other, the other, yeah, and also the the joy of oh, I can't believe that horrible thing happened to them. Oh, in this book, I can pretend that never did happen. To yeah, them. yeah. Aside aside from that, the Ben Riley costume, like the second costume, his Spider Man costume, was a cool costume, and that book was a way for you to still see that design being. Yeah, used, it is a cool costume. That was her costume because she wears her her late uncle Ben Riley's costume. And that becomes her costume. Because I remember reading an issue of um, X Men. Oh, by the way, by the way, everybody, my name's Chris. Oh, my name's my <laughs> name's Matt. Hello. So um, you said about X Men? <laughs> God, I remember reading an issue of X Men. Um, this was in the Essential X Men reprints, so it would have been a couple of years after it came out in the states, and it was mm-hmm. just after the onslaught event. It was after I'd started oh. picking it up again. Oh my God, that thing! And Spider Man has a cameo, but it's mm. Ben Riley doesn't really tell you it's Ben Riley. It's got the little editor's yeah. note saying, see what's going on in Spider-Man number... Why Spidey's being weird. But it was the cool Ben Riley costume, and then he swings in and he's like... And he and he talks as if it's still the 60s. Like he still thinks Jean Grey's called Marvel Girl. Yeah, because he's like not seen her since a certain point in his life. Yeah. yeah. So that was weird. And also there's, uh, there's a... That's what it was like for any superior Spider-Man appearance during that two years yeah, recently. Pretty much. So many of the books made a point of being like, think Spidey's acting weird? You need to catch up with superior Spider-Man. Trade paperback available now. But then a little bit after that, in Operation Zero Tolerance, another big X-Men event, there's a whole fucking interlude where Jean Grey has some sort of um, psychic moment and gets shunted off into the Heroes Reborn bucket pocket oh, bottle no. dimension and meets iron man who has no idea what mutants or x-men or gene gray is and then she suddenly ends up back it like it literally like it's like three pages at the start of, of an issue of like gene gray being but iron man's dead and iron man being like what's a mutant so basically go back to th- those who are wondering what we're talking about um, in the 90s, <laughs> on, a, on at least like one big occasion, Marvel tried to do a DC where they tried to reboot the continuity of their universe, sort of, because it oh, didn't affect every book. We can't get into Heroes Reborn and Onslaught right now. We can't do it. 
We that, cannot see, do it. You know, you know what's happening with the DC films right now, guys, where the, the Ben Affleck Batman doesn't seem to be a thing that's going to exist ever again, but Wonder Woman and Aquaman and all that are going to keep going on, whilst there's also going to be another uh, yeah. Batman over there, yeah, but here's and there's the... also another Joker already that's nothing to do with either of them. That's basically what Marvel nearly became in the 90s. Here's the thing, though. Heroes Reborn happened after they already did the whole Tony Stark's evil now, so we're going to bring teen Tony Stark from the past or another timeline and, and get to kill him and then replace him with the teen Tony Stark. Teeny Stark. Was that retconned by Heroes Reborn? Yeah, I believe so. Okay. Because um, okay. I was going to say, imagine if you're reading Iron Man right now yeah. and it just pops up into your head. Oh, yeah. This is alternate past timeline Tony Stark grown up and accelerated in age. Don't. What? Don't. Oh, also... Oh, it's like that with Spidey. It's like, oh, this isn't actually... Every now and again I remember in modern Spidey, oh yeah, this isn't actually Peter. It's an echo memory of Peter that is now Peter. So it's basically Peter, but it isn't the Peter who lived and had those experiences. But it is, He is officially gone. But he isn't. But it is, though. But he's not. You're the only person. Because they make a whole point of it. It's like a a residual echo in his head. You're the only person in Ox's head. But Dan Slott liked to play around with that because they had the whole clone conspiracy thing was the idea of like, but they are alive. Like this, this is, you know, Martha and, and Billy Connors. This is them. You've oh, yeah. got to give them these pills so that saying, they stay alive, but it's them. It's I'm like, not saying it wasn't the case. I'm just though. saying as soon as Dan Slott writing that title, it stopped mattering. Oh, no, exactly. <laughs> exactly. But like, I, every now and again, I always remember that. And I'm like, God, that is weird when you think about it. <laughs> when you think about it, that is weird. But don't think like, about it when, a, you're writing the, when you're reading the Nick Spencer stuff. I don't. I've only read two volumes of it, and I really, really like it. Yeah, I'm saving good. it up now as as like a. I want to buy trade paperback four, which is the Craven stuff. Yes, but it, but it's but it's a bulky paperback, so the cheapest I've found it even now is like twenty four ninety nine. Ooh, that's a chunk. Hmm. Um, um, and that's from like Book Depot with with, you know, like reduction. But I think it's because it's a really. I think it's because it's a really bulky paperback. So yeah, um, it's closer to an ultimate collection. I'll get there. Speaking of bulky paperbacks, something we'll come back to later. (laughs) I read the first arc of Buffy the Vampire Slayer season eight. Oh, yeah. um, Twilight. Because I finished watching Buffy the Vampire Slayer season seven. I love season eight. Um, I especially love that it's just like, hi, everybody. Uh, You're going to have to piece together what you've missed over the course of like the two years that take place between the series ending and the comic starting. Uh, oh, no, yeah, that that giant lady? That is Dawn. Yeah. Anyway, so... You're like, wait, yeah. wait. What? <laughs> what is happening? Why is Xander Nick furying in a castle? What? Is, why are they in Scotland? What is it? I love season eight. It's, and the fact that it um, it begins with like a meeting of some of the big bads, like having a fucking conference. Yeah. Like, what is this? It's so comic book. I love it. It, it feels like it translates to the medium book. beautifully. It's great. It feels very... So you finished. You finished Buffy season seven? Yeah. But we should we should talk about the news before we talk about Buffy. No, that's never excusable. Should, that's never a thing we, can, we should ever be. Because we can sink our be. teeth into Buffy. So to speak. Was that a vampire pun? A, a little bit. And now, I liked it. Also, now I've started on Angel, so we watched like seven episodes of Angel last night. Oh my god! So you're, oh my god! So right now you are Angel and Cordelia and Doyle. Yeah, the last oh. one we watched. Was, oh, um, days. I got the order. I got the order mixed up, so I can't remember which one we watched last. 
but it was either the oh is, is it on the dvds where like there's an episode up here one up here one up here one up here and there's no like linear way to just click on it and yeah, press we, play we watched them in the right order i just can't remember which was the last one we watched it, oh, was, either, it was either the one with the uh with the brainy in um uh b- 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 bachelor party or yes. the uh <laughs> the doctor who can detach his limbs <gasps> oh god right oh which i love we- angel i love angel's monster of the week concepts because they pull it off so well yeah and they're all resi- they're all ridiculous they're all ridiculous and yet you come out of it going yeah it's actually pretty creepy that that was pretty scary for example episode two they do the sex monster a million yes. times better than torchwood did a few years later yes we had that very discussion when we were watching it it's weird, isn't it? it Our is. Torchwood's second episode, the series inspired by Angel. Its second episode rips off Angel and does it awfully. Fucking Torchwood. Um, <laughs> That's a Chibnall episode as well. It's like, oh God. And then a few years later, it gives us Broadchurch. It's like, okay, dude can write. Dude can write. I'm there. Yeah, this he, is great. He made some errors on his Doctor Who, In his early Doctor Who and uh, Torchwood work. Lest we talk more about Cyberwoman. Yeah. Let's not talk about Cyberwoman anymore. <laughs> When's the Cyberwoman punch- rewatch happening, everyone? Ooh, she punches I'm- a pterodactyl that's trying to eat her because she's covered in barbecue sauce. This is the grown-up spin-off. So there's a little bit of news this week. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> the Time Lord Victorious! Cyberwoman 2! <laughs> oh, Time Lord Victorious, a.k.a. Uh, Star Wars The High Republic, but for Doctor Who. Um, yeah, and in a way that the the key announcement has made it sound really confusing. Like it's not clear. It it, it sounds like so. Long story short, it's an eighth, ninth, and tenth Doctor crossover event featuring Rose Tyler, and it will be big finish audios and books and immersive theatre at some point and that, an escape yeah, room at some point. It's going to be odd and a comic. Uh, and I think one of the things they they've one of the companies they're working with like specialising role play games, and it's like right so. Yeah, I'm not doubtful of them being able to pull off something like this because we've seen other companies do it for years. As Star Wars, especially, has always done versions of this, which is like here's a period, here's an arc, and you get the gist of it all, and you can explore the world during this time. Okay, sure, <coughs> but without there being a central hub, it feels kind of weird. Like, without them saying, it will be a series of three audios, and everything else is, like, expanded media, supplemental. If you can make it, you can make it. If you can't, don't worry about it. Yeah. You'll still get the story. Um, You know, it's not like a Marvel crossover event, Marvel book. We have a solid, like, eight issues telling a story, and everything else is just, if you can splash the cash at it, like, you can read it. Or if you can wait for it to become available later, you can read it, and it's just extra stuff, you know? It's it's here's the meat and yes. potatoes and dessert is optional. Whereas it appears for this, it's the dessert is meat and potatoes and you've got to try and keep up with it all. But also we've announced this worldwide and yet two of the things will be exclusive to the UK. It's like that last one come down with me. You put sausages in a trifle. Yeah. The trifle victory. I don't know. I don't know how, but <laughs> Meat and potatoes for dessert just brought that to mind. Um, so here's <laughs> here we go. The biggest news story of the week so far. Um, that was us reluctantly talking about Doctor Who. Drink it in. Oh, we're gonna get some more Doctor Who later. Don't worry. Um, there's more Doctor Who later. There's more to come. 
Wait for the dessert. <laughs> AMC. Oh, Jesus. The US's yep. largest cinema chain has said it will refuse to show movies released by Hollywood Studio Universal. Now, that's a biggie, because, you know, that's a cinema, an entire chain saying, hey, we aren't going to show films that are made by or distributed by this company anymore. Well, this is from- One of the few remaining big distribution companies in cinema in, in the West. Well, I was thinking, if you're talking about big, big studios, you've got Disney, Warner Brothers, mm-hmm. Universal, yeah, Paramount, yeah. And Sony. There's a few other out there that do releases and distribution, but they're not as big. I wouldn't put Lionsgate on the same level as a as a Sony oh, no. or that, yeah, it wouldn't, it wouldn't after Sony there. you get into like your Lions Gates and your A twenty fours. Yeah. Which are which are kind of indie. Yeah. Uh, they're, they're not they're not they're not spending the biggest bucks in no, the team. No, right, no. you know. They're, they're, they're the dessert, if you will. To Universal's meat and potatoes. Uh, an original analogy that I just came up with. Oh. Meat and potatoes for dessert. Um, oh, sausage and the trifle. So. <laughs> yeah, Keeks has been so watching very- a lot of Come Down With Me. So by extension, I've been watching a lot of Come Down With Me. So I have a lot of that <laughs> voice in my head at all times. <laughs> No! Oh! <laughs> oh, he's put his sausage in the trifle! Oh, oh God. not quite right! Oh, Dave, oh, is it now? His, oh. his shirts are louder than his voice, true fact. <laughs> he sounds like he has a lot of fun, so I can't fault him. Um, <laughs> and it must be fun to just sit in the voice booth and set a piss out of the idiots that are on screen. Because um, they often are. And then occasionally Very. you get one person who's like, your proper sound. Fuck these cunts off. Anyway, AMC. <laughs> Fucking these cunts off. Um, AMC are good broadcasting. Come dine with me in HD. So, basically, Universal turned around and said they're going to keep releasing films simultaneously via cinemas and streaming after the cinemas are open again when the lockdown's lifted because they released Trolls 2, um, Trolls World Tour, yeah, straight, to video, uh, straight to video on demand because none of the cinemas were open and it made them a bunch of fucking money. Because mm. um, people's crotch goblins wanted to watch films and any crotch goblin who loved troll uh, trolls wanted to watch Trolls World Tour. And, oh, look, mum and dad, if you spend fifteen ninety nine now we can rent it for three days. Yeah. So, yeah, like, of course it was going to make them money. And it, it was mostly a move at that moment for that studio to save itself financially because there could have been some issues. Marketing has gone out for a lot of movies that are now being rescheduled for later in the year. Or next year. And Yeah, and, and aside from like digital marketing, you ain't going to be seeing posters up everywhere for the likes of films like Black Widow and no, Scoob no. later in the year because they've already put the, the money and, and, and the time and the effort into getting them distributed now. So Trolls World Tour was like, our billboards are everywhere. People want to see it. Let's make it available. Smart decision, like interesting experiment, but fair enough. They wanted to make that call. They made that call. Well, Off the back of it, yeah. Apparently, it's made about a hundred million dollars yeah. since its uh, VOD release on the tenth of April. Um, so it's done all right then. <laughs> they'll get a larger share of that mm. than they would have done of a cinema release. And by comparison, yeah. 
the original Trolls, by this point in its release, had earned $120 million. So, so it's not earned, that much of a loss overall. Yeah, it's earned slightly less money, but they get more of it. So, of course, they're going to do that. So, what happened is that AMC CEO... Uh, AMC... AMC CEO, Adam Aaron... AMC... C... Adam Aaron wrote a letter to Universal Chair Donald Langley, which was then published in Deadline... And what I love about that is he sounds like a Stanley era superhero secret identity, and she sounds like a Dick Sprang era reporter for a newspaper. It's very Dick Sprang, yeah. Mm. Um, look, I look, I, my Dick Sprang. Hey, she so published, uh, but he wrote, and the letter was published deadline. Uh, and I quote, We want to be absolutely clear. AMC believes that with this proposed action to go to the home and theatres simultaneously, Universal is breaking the business model and dealings between our two companies. And he goes on to say, Universal's unilateral actions and intentions have left us with no choice. Therefore, effectively immediately, AMC will no longer play any Universal movies in any of our theatres in the United States, Europe, or the Middle East. So basically, folks, if you want a Universal movie, you will have to video on demand it. Now, during a lockdown, true, but during a lockdown, that may suit Universal fine. When the world's opened up again, that is going to be a large chunk of additional revenue no longer uh, um, going their way. I mean, theatres are already on their asses, but theatres are partly already on their asses because going to the cinema is shit now. Yeah, <laughs> but it's shit because yeah. they're on their asses. Because yeah. it's on because it's shit. Because they're on their asses, it's shit. And because it's shit, nobody's going, so they're on their asses. It's a vicious cycle. It's capitalism yeah. destroy, the shitty ass destroying cycle. it because it's just yeah. run purely for profit. the 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 visitor experience is becoming less and less of a draw because it's just not good. Like we're quite lucky because our our chosen cinema is is a former uh, American style designed and ran uh, cinema that has gone back to their UK branch um, over time. But the sort of the layout of that cinema and the the cleanliness of that cinema in particular is a lot more desirable than many of our other options in in the local area, including ones of the same brand. But it has it has gotten worse. Mm, since oh, it yeah. went back to Odeon. Let's name and shame, yeah. Christopher. Because yeah, yeah, Odeon yeah. are also the UK franchise yeah. of yeah. AMC. AMC! So people are like, well, how does that affect us? Um, uh, well, If your local Odeon. cinema's an Odeon, or if you're paying for a limitless membership for Odeon, as a we, or if Odeon is like just your preferred cinema option, it is, as of this current announcement no longer going to be showing about a fifth of the large uh, distributed movies yeah. going forward per year and this um, this will all get this might all get tidied up before the lockdown yeah. lifts universal might go oh right yeah. no we can't have that let's work out a deal here um but if i was universal i doubt it because without the movie studios what have this what have the movie movie theaters got to sell Overpriced sweets. Yeah. You go sit yeah. in a dark room and eat overpriced sweets. Yeah. 
They could, they could, uh, one could argue they could get by by doing marathon event, like make it more of an event thing, marathon events, rescreening of classic movies. Yeah, but they still like have that. to get the rights to them. Sure. Exactly. They still have to get the rights. And not only that, theatres kind of have the market on that recently, what with concert tours for live yeah, scoring for yeah. films, um, smaller <clears throat> theatres doing movie nights and, and movie screenings during family holidays. So, you know, that they're, they're going. <clears throat> they're going to struggle. And I think that's why they're putting their foot down. Why the AMC is putting his foot down what? so much is to make that point of look, you are going to lose money from us and hoping that they will realize that before they then go. Yeah, but you're going to lose money too. But it's also, I um, mean, AMC are in trouble. Yeah. Not only are they, is the cinema industry on its ass anyway, but mm. they've got, they've got 25,000 furloughed employees. Yeah. And yeah, they're, they recently said they're going to have to sell off about $500 million in debt to try and remain yeah. liquid. A thing. And it's just... Yeah. But yeah. I mean, and Universal's plans are not, like... They're, I think the next one they've said um, that they're going to go straight to streaming is um, the Judapatau comedy, King of Staten Island, which is Pete Davidson. Yeah. And that, like, that's the yeah. kind of movie that wasn't going to... Like that's not going to set the world. That wasn't going to break the bank. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's the kind of film that, in other circumstances, may even just have had like a two-week theatrical run and then gone to video yeah, demand anyway. Exactly, and like most video would have, like, would have been, they'd have yeah. found it flicking through Netflix a year and a half after it came out or whatever. Um, but then Fast and Furious has been delayed for a year uh, to late. Yeah. So it'd be interesting to see yeah. if if Fast and Furious Nine F Nine mm. is going to come out. In the cinema and on demand at the same time. That'll be that'll be intriguing. Or whether or not Universal <clears throat> just go, ah, fuck it. And like in August go, here it is, Fast and the Furious Nine. Yeah. But it's also on demand. It's also a case that the other studios haven't really made their moves on this yet. Warner Brothers are doing Scoob straight to uh, VOD in um, in May. Really? So later this that's, month, that's, by the time you hear yeah. this. Yeah. Um, Damn. And then that that's a that will be a big loss for Warner Brothers overall. And of course, Atom Unle- is foul. unless the world suddenly goes like, sure, yeah. like this is the model we all want now. And then Artemis Fowl's going straight to Disney Plus. Yeah, in June. It shows a lot more so... about the lack of faith. Um, unless they're about to do another big marketing push ahead of August, and Artemis is going to be one of the like you know, tentpole items of yeah. uh, all new movies, like Artemis Fowl, if they have ma- if they manage to get Winter Sol- Falcon and Winter Soldier out at its originally scheduled time of late August. Which I doubt they will. Of, obviously, yeah, that they, they said they had at least two more weeks of filming to do. Yeah, um, they're not going to be able to Because obviously, obviously, obviously the first like three or four episodes are probably already in post-production right now and, and close to completion. But then yeah. again, then again, they might release the like see like the first half of the season and then release the second half later in the year they might release a snyder cut <laughs> release the butthole cut um release the scarlett release... johansson digital digital scarlett johansson technology cut god um <laughs> they're developing that you know um, <laughs> um it's an odd one disney disney looks set to be waiting for the cinemas reopening before they make any kind of move but because uh, they've put the big slate of Marvel releases yeah. back. Like, all, like, but, again, as of recently as yesterday, they've all been adjusted again ever so slightly. Oh, like oh. Doctor Strange has been Doctor Strange has been pushed back definitively to twenty twenty two. 
Um, Sorry, my cat was whereas just walking the, across the computer. The, oh, yeah, they want to hear the news. Um, or whereas the Spidey Sony venture seems to have been moved forward slightly toward the end of 2021, which shows that they're hopeful about that one getting filmed. Um, it might be a case but, that they can actually do because it's... Oh, no, that's the Spidey live action one. Sorry, I was distracted by the cat. Oh yeah, not not um not Spider Spider Verse is where it where it always was, which is December twenty twenty two. Same as it ever was. Yeah. So, you know, but Disney haven't budged in terms of their their sign, the signposts they're giving out seem to be we're going to wait till theaters reopen. But also like, they've been bring... Artemis Fowl's a sacrifice, but we we're, we're going to wait for theaters to reopen, and yet that might just be because they have the monopoly. So now more than ever, they're relying on theaters to be open because they I have know, the, Disney the dominant are, are not afraid that. of strong arm in cinemas, and they never that's have true. been because they've been doing that that's... increasingly with the Star Wars films. But that's what I mean. Like that's their that's their play. That's their their chess game is using the theaters as part yeah, of I suppose. their revenue. So they're not going to betray that. They're not going to then turn out the theaters and say later's. They're going to always Disney. Let's let's stress this again. Walt Disney Pictures is who we're talking about, and they are absolutely the villain in every scenario here. Yep. Because they're either strong-arming the cinemas into forcing just their stuff to be screened, or in this case, they're like, hey, don't worry, cinemas. We'll stick with you. We'll wait for you to reopen. Oh, thank God. Yeah. Because you're still our bitch, right? Oh. Oh, shit. Um... Yeah, Artemis Fowl's a sacrifice because I guess they've just looked at it and the delayed releases it's already had, maybe test screenings, and they've just gone, look, let's just put this on plus and we'll make it like a like a plus incentive. Like, hey, brand new film for your kids. Here it is. Come watch it. Yeah. I guarantee it'll still get a physical release later in the year ahead of Christmas. They'll definitely still do like Blu-ray DVD and everything. And oh, it yeah. Because the they're not never want um, to miss out on merchandise, is Disney? No. Um unlike their other disney plus exclusive stuff which obviously they're going to wait a long time before there's a physical release like the mandalorian is not being given a physical release for a long time it's like the netflix stuff they... how long did it take the net some of the netflix stuff to start coming out on dvd and blu-ray yeah uh, what interestingly so it's always like a, a minimum minimum of a year before it comes out maximum of two years usually and they never make a point of saying this is out and available now yeah like, it's just put it out just there appears in the shops. world yeah yeah um because I've been looking to do that. We, we, we've we been weighing up our options with our streaming services and everything. We're kind of like, do we ditch Netflix maybe? But we we, we, we share our Netflix um, with my in-laws. So, like, you know, they, they use it enough that we're like, right, do we just decide that we're all going to chuck some into it each month? Yeah. And, you know, we all put toward it. Um, because we love it, but we spend more time browsing it than we do picking anything. And yet, at the moment, while we have Disney Plus, we are really using that. Disney Plus ain't bottomless. Um, it it definitely has like a, a a limit you hit where you go, yeah, I've seen everything I want to watch here. Yeah, yeah. But at the moment, it's something we're really enjoying. So, whereas Netflix, we just find ourselves browsing it, and that's kind of it. Yeah, yeah. So well, I find myself know. browsing Netflix and Amazon Prime a lot because I'm looking for something that just isn't on there. Like I'm like, oh, I, yeah. want, I want this thing or this thing, and it's just not on yeah. there because with Netflix Prime's they have the rights to it, or with Amazon it's on one of their fucking Amazon Prime video channels that you have to pay extra for. Oh God, stop! Yeah, what did I buy the other day? 
we bought Knives Out. I bought Knives Out on Blu-ray. We were at the yeah. shop and I saw it and I was like, I'm going to buy it now because it's this one little... While we're out getting our supermarket stuff, it's all that one little fraction of normalcy and I've really wanted to show it to Lou the moment I knew I'd be able to bring it home. Yeah. So I'm picking it up. Here it is. Boom. Bringing Knives Out home. Uh, digital copy. There's a digital copy in it. That stopped, but it looks like some places are now putting a Google Play digital copy in. Yeah. So you can have it on your YouTube. And I'm like, yes. So I was like, right, we're not opening We're not watching it tonight, but I'm going to crack it open. I'm going to get the digital code out and I'm going to get it in before I forget. Because it's even got a shorter window. It's like the end of 2020s when you can't use the digital copy. Oh, okay. Like you can't, you can't register it. Yeah. So I was like, right, well, I'll normally it's like two or three years. And now it's like eight months. Well, I was like, I'll get that done now. I opened it up Two, I say two, sir, leaflets for stars play fell out. Fuck. Two. And again, it's all stuff that like you have to. Yeah pay for that extra service well to i really watch. want to watch a watch a lot of old weird horror stuff but uh, uh, with the odd exception for most of that stuff streaming wise is on shudder mm. which is either a separate subscription or yeah a fucking amazon prime video channel which are just yeah it's not something i can justify right now it's it's nuts it's it's bizarre how they're doing this. like doom patrol doom patrol's still currently on netflix right yeah like season one i think no but that no i don't think it is i don't think it ever went to netflix I'm sure it was for a no, bit. No, Titans I remember, did. I remember, I think I queued it, or I was going to queue it. No, Titans did, but Doom Patrol didn't. Uh. Oh, I guess we're never getting DC Universe over here, for sure, because, uh, I mean, there were rumours, the reason that that's sort of gone all quiet is because it was looking like Warner Brothers were going to have to just fold it into HBO Max anyway. Yeah. But now there's, uh, now there's more further proof that it's not happening because a week from now, so sometime next week, E4 in the UK will be showing and having on their demand services the second half of Rick and Morty season four will be starting. Mm-hmm. And Harley Quinn. Yes. The DC Universe animated series. Yeah, yeah. So further proof with Swamp Thing on Amazon Prime and Harley Quinn on E4 and Titans on Netflix and Stars Play getting hold of Doom Patrol. Further proof that we are never getting the DC Universe application in Europe. Never. Um, which sucks because the main reason I wanted it wasn't the original programming. I wanted to get like that comic archive and the all the TV stuff on on, on an app. Like that's what yeah. I wanted. Yeah, and that's that's not going to be a thing. It's so going to happen for you. But it's funny you should mention d- HBO. Oh yeah. Because sorry, the cat the cat was on one sec. <laughs> there we are. Go put yourself a, go put yourself a drink. Um, yeah, HBO. <laughs> Fuck. Um, I was just sad. The reason I paused then is I was gonna. I've got a flask next to me with water in that I keep at my desk, and I've got a cup of tea. And I thought my cup was empty, and I was gonna pour that flask into the cup near the microphone to simulate me making myself a drink, as you so lovely instructed. But as uh, my brain kind of put that little equation of events together, yep. this little extra section popped up and went, "You still got tea in your cup, you fucking idiot." <laughs> Also, you don't you don't want to water your tea down. So also, yeah, I just froze on the spot. <laughs> it wouldn't fool the observant listener, as water sounds different when it's poured depending on its temperature. Is that true? Yeah. Oh, let's let's test it out. No, you need let's to test it, it out with try. hot water as well. Oh, sorry. What, what? Here's the cold water. Here's the cold water. I can't hear that. There we are. <laughs> okay. I'll pick up on the mic. So there's the cold water. I'll hear it in the and edit. Here's here's the hot water. 
was weird, that. That was strange. So it's weird, because in, in the room, to me, it just sounded like hot water pouring, but I can see on my uh, on my Audacity software that there was a big spike there. That was strange. Fucking hell. Um, I hate you. Oh. Uh, HBO. You mentioned HBO. <laughs> They've got a streaming I service did. now. But this isn't about their streaming service. This is about them no. picking up the rights to a... Uh, I'm going to say classic, with a big question mark, horror De- franchise. Okay. Yeah, I was going to say, let's just be honest franchise they saw something that had franchise potential and bought the rights so they have done a deal to develop a (laughs) hellraiser tv series what in living hell razor could that even consist of well it's going to consist of david gordon green he who brought back halloween Um, yeah from the dead, so That's to speak, encouraging. in 2018, and is currently, well, it, they're currently well, working on Halloween Kills and Halloween Ends. Uh, Halloween Kills is still slated for October. Whether it'll make it depends on how much um, uh, filming they'd already done. How much filming yeah. they got done. Also, joining him as executive producers, uh, slated to write the pilot and run the series. Uh, Mark Verheiden and Michael Doherty. Michael Doherty, of course, directing uh, Trick or Treat, which I've not seen, oh! but apparently he's very good. It's um, very good. And it he also very, very good. He also wrote and directed Godzilla: King of the Monsters, which I really liked. Um, some people didn't yeah, like so I much, mean, but I liked you, it. A you're lot. wrong. You're wrong. I, about it, about I watched it again it. when it came on Now TV, and I still fucking love it. And I will oh, fight dear. you. Because it's it's thunderously stupid, and I it's love you, it. it. It's you and Movie Bob. It's, it's just the two it's of you. So good, it's <laughs> so so good. Um, <laughs> they go Atlantis, and there's the Hollow Earth, and they set off Matt. a nuke at the center of the Earth, and they revive Godzilla, and it's so good. <laughs> Give me a cut where they edit out all the human bits, and I'll watch it and love it. I guarantee. Nope. nope. No, nope. just give just give me a cut of the last twenty minutes, but it's just Ghidorah, Godzilla, and Mothra fighting, and I'll be happy. Um, <laughs> Mothra, she she makes the sacrifice play. I love it. I love it. Uh, Mike Verheiden, on the other hand, uh, he has worked <laughs> on the on Battlestar Galactica. Uh, oh, the uh, the revived TV series, yeah. Yep, uh, Daredevil for Beautiful. Netflix. Oh, and most interestingly, related to this. The uh, Swamp Thing TV series from DC Universe. Oh, oh! Which this week DC advertised uh, in their um, their like email, like their, their weekly like email newsletter thing, where they basically said like things to do and a lot of things to watch on lockdown. This and the other, and they referred to it as Swamp Thing Series One. And I'm like, you twats, call it what you should call it: the series we killed. <laughs> Don't call it Season One. Yep. It's the only one we're gonna get, but it was really good. So him being involved in a horror TV series is a good sign. Well, apparently it's gonna. It, they're expecting it to be a continuation of the franchise, um, right? So okay. It will assume that all the past mythologies are given. Okay. Whether that so it happened. All it happened, but is. Mm, oh, go on. Whether that all includes all... all of the various straight to video sequels or not, which I still haven't seen. I all imagine of. I need so. to get on that. I need to, I imagine I'm in so. lockdown, I need to finish them. Um, it sounds to me like they're going, look, all the things, that are, the, the passionate fan base, because it has one, it has, like, 
the same as most horror franchises, a rabid, passionate fan base. It's like, hey, guys, the stuff you loved, it still matters. But it's likely their series is going to start from a, and if you've never seen any of it, this is a jumping on point yeah, I for think, you kind of framework. I think, I think the, the smart Ash play Ash vs. Evil be, Dead style. Yeah, as vague about what went before as possible, but, yeah. but specific enough that people who know will know. If you know, you know. Don Mancini... You know? Don Mancini's been saying it, saying it for the. Uh, oh God, we'll have to get Stars play for that. Um, uh, Don, Man- Don Mancini's been saying that about the the the, the TV series that was called Child's Play and is now called Chucky. Yeah. Um, that that is also going to be a hey, it's a continuation from Cult of Chucky, which has a very specific like resetting of events by the end of it that put things in a place you'd never imagine. The game has changed. Yeah. <laughs> cube two uh but it's um it's it's <laughs> no uh, one thinks you'll that. find this cube two hypercube um, oh god yeah of course hypercube. <laughs> i've not seen hypercube i've only seen the first cube it, the first cube is okay it's very 90s but anyway oh, it's super um, 90s but i quite like it but it's uh yeah like the charles play tv series is going to be something that he said that if you've never seen any of it from ep one you'll get it and you know you'll pick up as you go which suggests to me with that that we're going to be focusing on like a new central character to lead the story. Yeah. And they're going to discover, like, through their eyes, new viewers will discover what's going on. And I imagine that'd be the same with Hellraiser because what is, for those who don't know, the basic premise of Hellraiser? There's a box. Yeah. There's a puzzle box. <laughs> and if you yep. open the box, you summon the Cenobites and they're explorers in the further realms of sensation and they're demons to some and angels to others and they will tear your soul apart apart. um they're basically like bdsm demons um b demon sms like extreme bdsm uh Mm. like 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 bodily mutilation yeah yeah all that kind of stuff um and yeah, we have such weird. sights to show you. Are they are they punishing sinners? Are they giving you experiences that you deserve? Are they do they have a morality? Who knows? Um, but the various straight to video sequels will attempt to find out. The various straight to video sequels will almost never address it. Um, hmm. Isn't one of them a reboot as well? Like the most recent one uh, is like a, a soft reboot of it all that probably acted as unwittingly as a testing ground for this being a concept that was greenlit. So it's complicated, <laughs> but the last two. Yeah. Have both been attempts at sort of reboots. Okay. Um, it's, uh, yeah. Do you need to reboot Hellraiser? Like it's, it's, it surely could be a a uh, a Freddy Krueger kind of monster of the week in reverse I mean, sort of what, thing, where it's it like became... we, we meet a new protagonist and stuff happens to them because of the box. That's what it kind of became, but okay to diminish that, him. That returns. doesn't need that doesn't need, need like continuity resets, really, no. does it? Um. Well, David S. is doing it anyway. No, he's trying to get a reboot film off the ground. Uh, oh, Christ. that's already been announced. Whether <laughs> that will happen or not. I hope not, because let us not forget that David S. Goyer is a fucking hack. But yeah. 
But he wrote this, The Dark Knight! So did two of the Nolans, yes. and they've been proven to write films better overall. He wrote they some also, of The Dark Knight. <laughs> Less. Yeah, they also don't make comments about She-Hulk fucking Hulk. Yes, so, you know. uh, there is that also, of course. Um, yeah, so I don't know what a Hellraiser... The, um, there has been some like <laughs> anthology-style Hellraiser comics that Marvel did in their epic line in the late 80s, early 90s, which some people remember quite fondly. Um, there was a Boom Studios comic, which is an interesting continuation um, yeah, Boom have done some good work carrying on horror franchises. Before. Yeah, they, they um, do quite good stuff. Clive Barker himself wrote a sequel to the original novella. Um, so the Hellraiser is based on a novella called The Hellbound Heart. Uh, Clive Barker wrote a sequel called The Scarlet Gospels. Um, That's a great name. Which uh, doesn't, which focuses on the novella. It doesn't really take into account any of the film stuff. Mm-hmm. But it plays yeah. with some of the ideas and um, and some of the other characters that Clive Barker's touched on in other things. Um, it's got a bit more of an urban fantasy feel than a gothic horror feel. Yeah, um, I didn't. I got it from the library and I never finished it. I don't need to get it out again. Um, so yeah, there's plenty of ways they could go with it. Basically, mm. it depends on what elements of the original franchise that they're interested in developing. Mm-hmm. So, it's difficult to say. Ah. Difficult to say. <clears throat> well, it'll be reaching our screens at this rate Never. in 2027 um, um, as a eventual just TV movie cobbling together the first two episodes that go into production before the third wave of coronavirus comes to kill us all. Yay. What? Um, so... In terms of long gaps, long waits. Yeah. I finally oh, watched the last season of Buffy this this last week. Yeah, you did. Or the last week. half of it, because I'd watched a lot of it on original reception. And that's what I think Keith said it was like 17 years. Yeah, after, 2003. Yeah. After it, after it originally aired. It's taken me 17 years to finish Buffy the Vampire Slayer. <laughs> and I'm going to tell you what I think. He's been, watching on a VH, he's, he's been watching it on a VHS, folks, and it got stuck in yeah. season one's I, Robot, You, Jane, and he just couldn't get past couldn't it. Couldn't get off it. <laughs> um, <laughs> Someone bring me a very big pencil. I need to re-spool this VHS. I wish the show had ended at season five. As was the original plan. As was the plan, yeah. For those who don't know, Buffy the Vampire Slayer was a five-season show, but around that time, Fox, uh, their distribution rights for television started to change hands, and... The WB, the new network run by Warner Brothers, like There's five Fox seasons of TV and... in a seven season bag. <laughs> yeah, they but turned no, around. They went. Season was... five is rating like Gangbusters. We will give you two more seasons right now, Joss Whedon, the showrunner, if you want it. And Joss went, ah, but I kind of was finishing it with this season. They went. Two more seasons, Joss, and he said in interviews since that like he doesn't regret making the decision he did because the reason he made it was because he looked at that team and the crew making the show, like the hundreds of people who work on it behind the scenes, this, that, the other. With that commission, all of them would instantly be offered contracts for a two-year job. Yeah. And they were. And that's why he said yes to it. And after he said after he signed the contract, he went, oh, actually. And that's when the idea struck of how to carry the story on without changing the end of season five. Well, But season five ends, spoiler alert for a... 
19 year old season of television um with buffy dying she sacrifices herself to uh close this rift and save her sister and in turn save the world and it ends with her dead and it's a perfect ending she dies a hero and her sister gets to live on and all of her friends are better for having known her and Oh my god, what a conclusion. And it doesn't end with a teaser, does it? Of like, oh, nope. but maybe. Like, it ends, nope. ends. And it's you can stop an right end. there. And then Buffy's resurrected by her friends at the start of season six because they had it had it in their heads for some reason. Because they're selfish be pricks, <clears throat> that's why. That's why I don't hate season six, because when they start to get into all that, and like, why did we do this? And of course, then finding out in the musical episode, she was basically in whatever equates to heaven. Yeah. And then they're like the guilt from that like starts to pile on top of them, and you realize why she's not quite right, and and then she starts to do horrible things just to feel as the series goes on, including horrible like violations of intimacy. Yeah, um, season with six Spike. Gets pretty fucking dark. But but then that leads to the interesting cliffhanger of series six, where we find out Spike has been going away, and we think he's going to get himself ready to basically get the chip out of him that stops him hurting humans, so he can come back and like kill Buffy and kill everyone and then you realise nope that's not what he was after he gets his soul back and it's like what and that's how series 6 ends and you go okay I'm kind of interested into what next year is going to be about what is this and then series 7 kind of starts like a, a limp noodle a little bit it's it's odd it, it, set, it starts with a more interesting premise than it gives itself as an arc because Willow's with Giles and the Watchers in England like learning to basically go cold turkey on magic and be herself again and which Buffy is kind of not, she's like basically this. just learning to use different kinds of magic isn't she yeah and you're like okay let's see where this is going but then they wrap that up in a few episodes and i don't know man i don't hate season seven i don't hate season season, seven, season right? seven's my least favorite season of the show i actually quite like the finale but oh uh chosen yeah is that what it's called yeah in fact, i kind of like the last few episodes actually I love um, you. No, you. No, you don't. Thanks for saying it. Yeah, it's that's like, quite sweet. Oh, God. Um, I think it ends really oh. well as a show. Um, oh, yeah, what we do now, she just smiles and boff. Show's done. The fact that they've got finished. two chances to give it an ending and they kind of nail both of them. Both finale... That's the thing. Like, both final episodes of the show are perfectly like pitched and executed. Yeah. Um, not even... Like early two thousands TV budget CGI can make Sunnydale falling into a pit, like and covering the Hellmouth no, once and for all, no, like, look it, bad. Like it still looks pretty damn good because they know their limitations and they work with it. Uh, I think they overshoot a little bit here and there, but what are you but gonna that's, do? That's that's mostly because it's in broad daylight as well. Yeah, right? it's like, a TV it. show. What are you gonna do? Um, but no, for the most part, I I <laughs> I, I dug it. I think there's too many potentials. Yeah, because one of the arcs, boys and girls. Yeah, one of the arcs is that um, uh, something the first evil is it because the first evil is basically going to kill all the potential slayers. They find all these girls who the slayer the slayer is like a lineage. It's basically it's basically mutant powers by mystical inheritance. Yeah, so when one dies, there are hundred. The next one gets their powers. Yeah, but, and some of them know that they're potential slayers because, like, the Watchers Guild have figured out they're going to be slayers and they talk yeah. to them and they train them. Some don't know. Some haven't been discovered yet. Um, and in this series, the 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 minions of the first evil, the Har- Harbingers... Uh, bringers. Um, Harbor- oh, the Bringers, that's it. They start 
killing potential slayers. So Buffy like gets the call out and her and her team get as many of them as they can to Sunnydale to train them so that they can defend themselves and just, ultimately Giles find a way to turns up with a bunch of them, doesn't it? Yeah, he's like, uh, hello, uh, I've not been here for a while. Anyway, here's a bunch of teenage girls who look scared and confused. Yeah. Enjoy! <laughs> like, here's wait, Felicia Day! Um, yeah, a tiny Felicia Day! And, and, and Kennedy, who I don't hate but it did feel too soon like but then one of, but then one of the episodes but then one of the episodes addresses that it's too soon and it's like okay like even willow's aware that am i moving on super quick from the even death of my the love of my life even with it, like, it seems too pretty soon, soon like i just don't particularly care for her yeah she's sort of like she's sort of like faith light she's cocky faith without an faith without any of the of the the charisma uh, and yeah. I don't think it's the actors. I don't think the actors' fault. I think it's that they almost were like, right, what do slayers? What do slayers act like? Yeah, uh, they're either they're either Buffy, or Buffy when she's a prick, aka Kendra, <laughs> or or Faith, but not as good as Faith. That, that's basically mm. their like, that their mm. yeah. It's it's an odd one, and the series then gets plagued because suddenly it becomes Buffy, who is like twenty four or something at this point. If that, it becomes Buffy. She's only twenty. Um. Having to... Is she meant to be only 20? Yeah, because Willow's still in college, and they're the same age. Yeah, she is, of course. Oh, my God. Buffy it becomes essentially surrogate mum and sensei to this group of 20-plus female characters, yeah. these extra characters who... You know, I guarantee that there are potentials who don't speak once. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm there's sure one, there's a few there's that don't who speak who can't once. speak English, and that's a whole running gag. It's not a particularly yeah. funny running gag, but it is there. No. Yeah, it's easy comedy. Yeah, it's, it's easy it's comedy. Very, very low hanging fruit. Um, but, I mean, there's good stuff in there, but it just it it's baggage. Like, because you want it's yeah, the last it's, season. We really want to spend time with our friends. We want to spend yeah. time with the characters we've got to know for years. Giles is barely in the season, so we're not we're hardly seeing him. But when he is, um, though, oh, when, when he, he is, is um, Tara's dead. You know. Uh, Xander and, and Anya aren't the adorable thing that they grew to be, and it's like this is horrible to see, but yeah. they kind of rekindle as the series goes on. Spike spends the first half of the series as a drooling maniac. Because yep. the soul in his head is now all the people he's ever killed are now like in his head, basically berating him for it. Although it turns out that's been spurned on by the first evil appearing to him as dead people. Yeah. And the thing is, all of these all of these situations lead to really cool individual episodes or threads. Like Andrew, one of the, the nerd trio, the big bads from the previous series, yeah, yeah. is lumped in with them because essentially he's their prisoner, but not the kind that you can just take to jail. So they sort of keep him around to protect him slash punish him. And he did some bad things and he's kind of looking for yeah. redemption, but then he's also being manipulated by the first. And you get yeah. that really good episode... Conversations with dead people. Uh, that's no, that's he... the one I'm thinking. I'm thinking of storytelling because because that's, that's the one where that's the one where he comes back, isn't it? Because it's him, yes. one of the threads. Yeah, that's him the one Jonathan. where he comes back because that's when they open the 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 sea. That's when he kills Jonathan. Yeah, um, yeah. But I'm uh, thinking of storytelling. The storyteller. Which do you starts... now understand my? Do you now understand my red T-shirt? The one I the one I wear. The, the one that's got uh, the, the the mutant enemy thing in the moon and everything. Yeah, it's the yeah. red T-shirt. The and it's it's Buffy Slayer of the Vampires. Yes. It's oh, a storyteller I, reference. I do wish that he would stop saying vampires, <laughs> but I also get why he's saying vampires. vampires. 
because that's how they're spelled, vampires. Um, <laughs> and you get some really good stuff. The, the, the scene at the opening, the scene at the end of the opening episode of Series 7, where the first evil's talking to Spike, and it's the first time you as the viewer kind of go, oh, it's, it's that thing from Season 3, that, that one that appears as, as the dead. Is that what this is? And the, the way they show you is he basically transforms into, it's a whole scene where the character's talking to Spike, every big bad from the previous yeah. six seasons yeah. and then Buffy. Because of course it can look like Buffy now because she has died twice. Like it can look like her. And also um, getting to see something as ridiculous as Adam again. Oh God. Well, just, just like the idea that it's so like, ridiculous. hey, Mark, Mark, Mark Metcalf, uh, this is your cousin, <laughs> Joss Metcalf. You know that crazy excuse for wearing the master prosthetic, uh, prosthetics that you've been <laughs> looking for? Well, listen to this. Because obviously he's not, he has not looked like that since season three, nah. when he appeared in uh, the Wish. Uh, uh, you know, it's like, uh, how many excuses does an actor get to be like, hey, you know that villain you played that was really good, but they were the big bad of that series, so we never seen them again apart from that one off. Uh, do you want to come back to do literally about thirty seconds of of dialogue? Sure. <laughs> Why? Because <laughs> every big bad is going to appear. Because what is he, he's the master. And then he's Drusilla. Oh, Juliet Lando. And then he's Mayor Wilkins, who's fucking great. Yeah. He's so good. Because he, he, he also comes gets Adam. a little bit later with Faith, which is great. Yeah. And then, and then he uh, then he uh, becomes Adam. And then he becomes Glory. And then he turns into Warren. And then Buffy. And you're like... Because, of course, in that scene, you're like, right, what's it going to be? What's it going to be? They're obviously teasing what's it gonna be? What's what it going to be? What's it going to be? Um, yeah, because also this is so, a show okay. that was around in the sort of... Not the early days the sort of sophomore phase of the internet and message boards yeah, and that yeah. kind of thing. Like, Buffy was one of the first fan bases to, to, to utilise chat rooms yeah. en masse and, and be, have communities <clears throat> online. And that, of course, comes out of the, the wreckage of the X-Files, yeah. which was doing the same thing, <laughs> but about five years before, when it was all yeah. on fucking Usenet. Yeah. Like, a lot of that started there, and then that developed with shows like Buffy into sort of full-on internet fandom yeah. and theorizing and all that kind of stuff. I think Buffy's kind of the the peak of that stuff when it really yeah. blew up um, and sort of sort of went mainstream, I think, due to... Uh, it, it was a pop culture buffet as well because it was one of the few shows, genre shows that was just openly pop culture referential yeah. and, and, and their characters, like, describing things in ways that you just go, that sounds funny! And the other person in the room would go, Oh my god, I got that reference. I understood, I understood that what reference. he was saying. Yeah, exactly. Which Josh Whedon then pays off in Avengers. I understood that reference. Fuck me. But yeah, it's it's so it, it was it was one of those shows that people wanted to talk to other people about, and the internet was blooming. And also, here the, it like, were. The, the back half of season seven, I feel, is aggressively feminist as well in a really good way. Yeah. Like that oh whole, yeah. The whole segment where they were just rejecting the wise men from mm. going back to seeing the first Slayer. Created, yeah. and then finding the weapon, and then finding a, sort of the last survivor of another secret order who've been watching the Slayer. Yeah, we're like, yeah the, yeah, the Watchers don't know shit. They're just old men who think they know what they're doing, but they don't. Yeah, and and that's of... yeah, love love that shit because that whole thing of like you know going back to them and then being like you know this is the, this is the destiny, this is the way it is. Here's how we create because especially when it's like here's how we created the first Slayer Oof. and it's basically we filled a girl with demons. Yeah, and it's like against her will. You're like, wait, what? Sorry, yeah. what? <laughs> and it's like, yeah, to fight the monsters, we had to make a monster. 
and that's what you are. You're just one in the long line of monsters. And she's just like, well, fuck that. Like, there are young girls who are going to die because of a decision you lot made. These four creepy old men in this tribe made has gotten young women killed for centuries. Mm. Like, fuck you. (laughs) It's just like, yeah, good honor. Which pays off wonderfully in the the sort of montage sequence you get in the finale when mm. Willow activates all the Slayers across the world. Every potential around the world, (laughs) even those who've yet to be... Uh, found by the by the bringers and and, and watchers and stuff yeah. like you just it's that it's that one girl who's like playing baseball or whatever isn't it? And the bit sort of, that it really just, that it really just activates it and yeah is where you see a dude taking a swing at someone and he's, she catches his hand and yeah. pushes him back that's really good that's yeah. a really I mean, great shot i mean th- th- there's an epilogue story there where like she accidentally punches him too hard because she doesn't realize she could do that and obliterates him into the pavement and then gets arrested but the point is it's a powerful moment is... in the shot and i'm making a joke i'm not trying to undermine her power no, no. but ironically the series becomes more focused on being a feminist like um you know like be- being strong and feminine and everything ironically after it's killed off a bunch of the potentials yeah it does. It has to kill off a lot of its extended cast of female characters. It does like to do throwing that. people under the bus. But that's mostly to streamline it again. To like, here's the family we've grown to love. Here are the few new characters that we've grown to know. Now we can focus on their direction and the finale and and getting toward that point. Because of course, this series you've got the. This is one of the series where it, it's like I don't think they were still publishing the monsters, the monster guide. No, they weren't. They did no. They did the Watcher, the Watcher's Guide, Volume One, Two, and Three. Oh, uh, like these guidebooks alongside the series, and they did one called the Monster Book. Yeah, uh, that was Series One to Four, and then they never did another. They didn't do a Monster Book Volume Two, and I'd argue that that was probably because after Series Five, Six, and Seven don't create that many new monsters or indeed like creature concepts. Now the only a really lot of Series Seven one are series vampires seven. and the Uber Vamp. Uh, the the Nal. Oh, the Nal is definitely the one. Yeah, I spoke to Kings about this actually. Um, the Nal was Nal's always going to be the one where you'd be like, oh, the Nal. For those who don't know, is basically prosthetics golem with long nails that paralyze its prey, and then it, while the prey's alive, just sits on top of them and peels their skin off and eats it. It's pretty great. And that fate befalls a character who, due to a spell is invisible to their friends who are nearby and of course have no idea what's happening and also you nightmare get, fuel it does also simultaneously <laughs> induce some pretty neat physical comedy with dawn with paralyzed dawn yes yes fun. that's just funny. um um but it's just oh god just the, the clacking of his nails and the way he talks like this yeah, and just like oh my god it's no. very creepy no 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 he's like he's like the last memorable one-off villain in the show i think yeah because and after he's in, that it is so focused on I, and he's in like episode five yeah. <laughs> so it's like oh yeah. so we've got 17 more weeks of non i mean the uber vamp is is memorable but it's it's very generic because it is just a beast yeah and it only really pays off in the last episode well the cliffhanger to the last before the last episode where you see oh there are thousands of these under yeah. the ground right now yeah <laughs> oh everyone's gonna die um Although, <laughs> my contender for other memorable Season 7 monster is the worm. 
<laughs> the big fucking worm that's just eating people in like episode two. Because it's just like, what? Yeah. And then when you find out it's the it's the result of one of uh, Anya's, like one of the scorned women who's wished on Anya. <laughs> you're like, wait, what? <laughs> it's just so, but it's just so cold and boring as a villainous threat. And that's kind of the point because you realise that she doesn't, She's fueled by vengeance, but she's not a bad guy anymore. She's yeah, not she coming up with these horrible malicious schemes. It's just, oh, God. Who's her boss again? What's he called? Oh, I can't um, remember. Just something or whatever. I can't really remember. But he's great. Fun. I like it. De Hoffren. Oh, yeah. Okay. De Hoffren. Yeah, yeah. With the guy with the big beard and everything. Yeah, yeah. Like, he's great. And, 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 uh, uh, oh, God, I'm trying to remember her name now. Her friend, who is throughout series six. And then in that, I think it's in that episode, De Hoffren kills her friend off in front of her. Uh, sort of like, d- 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 stop, d- d- stop being a pussy. She's dead now. <laughs> like, stop being a pussy. I've killed your friend. That's a pun. Yeah. What was it? It's, it's like, she can leave being a chaos demon again. But she kills a friend in front of her as a point and is like, there you go. All right, bye. Hmm. Later on you. Like, your friend, your friend died because you pussied out on me. Bye. Halfrek. 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 That's the one. Um, she's great as well. There's a lot of great new characters in series six and seven. Yeah. Clem. Clem. He's a series six character, but he's in series seven a few times. The guy with the excess skin. His floppy ears. Yeah. He's just this really kind of odd, gentle creature. I love that guy. And- the best, the best, um, the best story arc in terms of early season subplot uh, and excuse to introduce a new character in Series 7 is the new Sunnydale High being built um, and Buffy being a counsellor there because you suddenly realise how much she's gone through in like the four years, yeah, the two, two three right. years since she's left. And it's like the fact she already feels, it's, it's a precursor to her being mum to the potentials. But it gives us an excuse for a brand new character D.B. Woodside as Principal Wood. Oh, yeah. Who's pretty damn great. Oh, yeah. He's pretty damn great. Um, and, and I think they were, when they were trying to think of, what kind of, like, because ultimately it's a teen show at the end of the day. They were yeah. like, what kind of what kind of eye candy should we have this time? You know, a lot of our viewers are getting a bit older now. Of, of, they're making a big point about the fact they fancy the shit out of Giles. Should we, should should we, we get another old... Should we get another older mentor kind of character? Should we split the difference, maybe? Should we, should we make the... Yeah, should we, like, make the principal, like, a hot 30-something? Should we do this? <laughs> Let's do this! And they just do it. And he's great. And <clears throat> his connection to the world of the Slayers, as we learn later on. Yeah. And that flashback to the subway fight scene, and that whole episode of flashbacks to Spike's, like, past... Early one morning, just as the sun was rising. All that stuff, it's like... That is great. Can it's just it's, these individual peaks that are really good. As far as character arcs and growth go, fucking Spike, man. Series seven is his finest hour. It's great. in terms of in terms of main cast Spike. Like yeah. for me, I still love series two. He's just a villain, Spike. Oh yeah, he's phenomenal. But as part of the main cast, series seven is his finest hour. It's so good. Actually, giving that um, character depth and a journey, and mm. also I kind of think it's an interesting. There's something there that that they can that vampires can be redeemed. Yeah, but it's well, you, so you see, hard. You see that they can be emotional. Yeah, um, because you see that with his origin, like he 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 looks after a sick mom. He's bitten and sired and becomes a vampire. And the first thing he does is he sires his mom so she can live forever. And then his vampire mom turns around and is like, "Great, 
by the way, I hate you. You're a weedy little prick. I wish you were dead. Yeah. And he's like, it hurts him. And you're like, wait a minute. Because the series establishes in the first series so much that vampires aren't the person you knew. No. They're a demon walking around in their body. But the more the show goes on, the more vampires you get to know long term, you realise it's kind of halfway between that. Like, they yeah. are somewhat still the person they were. Well, because, yeah, there's the, um, guy, there's the guy in conversation with dead people, the newly signed yeah. vampire, who is, still yeah. has all his... He's got... His personality's changed, but he's still who he was, <clears throat> sort of. Yeah. I love that. And that's I an interesting... I love that one. That's an interesting dichotomy, I think. And, uh, oh, God. Conversations with dead people is sublime. Yeah. Like, it's really good. Um... So over overall, though, yes. would you say it was out of the seasons you recall and and uh, what you've watched recently and and what you've watched peripherally, like as Keeks has been binging and stuff? Yeah. Would you say Seven's like your least favorite? No, I or, think so. Or are you or are you still kind of a are you still kind of a the initiative season four sort of? Ah, eh, that's not my Buffy. Season four's fine, but it, I just. <laughs> Don't think it's as interesting as it's. It's got hush and restless. It's got yeah, but what else has it got? It's got a lot of Riley. It's got a lot of Riley oh, and a lot yeah, of dudes but, in khaki. But what? But what did you think about the Riley episode in series six? Because that suddenly makes you go like, oh, I, I kind of miss this guy in a weird way. Yeah, no, way. he's fine. Um, it's just you know, it, it's written knowing that not everyone loved him. Yeah, and it's and and it makes you sort of go, no, no, no. On, stick around but at the same time you're happy for him and the way his story goes has gone the whole initiative thing it was was overreaching their means of what they had the, yeah. the idea to realize although i do also realize feel like the the downfall of the initiative is also a dry run for the end of cabin in the woods yes 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 when i watched cabin in the woods for the first time i was like oh shit it's the initiative like yeah. that's just what it felt like um, and especially at the end where there's just a shit. I mean, right down to there being like a big snake thing in the, the yeah. pit in like the main lab area. Yeah, yeah. Um, I like the giant like venomous one in the lift sequence when everything goes to <laughs> shit in Cabin in the Woods. Um, That's such a great sequence. God, yeah. It's just oh, ridiculous. Also, Fear Itself and Superstar are in Series 4. Okay. And uh, Superstar's freaking wonderful. Okay. Like the credit, the credits start. You're just like, what? Wait, why is it all Jonathan? <laughs> what is happening? What is going on? How did you feel? How did you feel when they killed him off in in conversations with dead people? Yeah, like because mm. Jonathan's arguably up to that point the most sympathetic of the trio I of think, the nerd trio. I think out of the two of them, initially I would prefer that Jonathan stuck around, but I think Andrew had more of a journey to go on. So I, I think, why. and I think they had, I think they had to kill Jonathan as well to show you that they weren't taking prisoners this year. Yeah, yeah like I yeah. think he's, I think he's the earliest. Is he the earliest death in the season of a character we've known for a long time? I believe so. Yeah, and it's sort of like their way of going and taking no prisoners. Okay, that means that we don't like, actually lose much of the core cast. Oh no! Well, like what I mean is that they they make a point out of taking characters you know and yeah. bumping them off. Of yeah. Like Halfrek. Halfrek is an enjoyable character to spend time with as, as a performance and everything. Yeah, yeah. And then they just kill her like that. She's gone. And then Jonathan gets stabbed, and they tease you that the first evil is going to appear as Tara. And you're like, no, don't you fucking dare! Like, don't you, don't you tear apart that legacy? What are you doing? And then that's what Amber um, Benson said. So she she didn't. Yeah, it was sort of a mix. She was like, yeah. I'm not available, but also I don't 
I think it's yeah. wrong that that might be my last appearance. So I completely understand her turning it down. And if anything, I think it's more effective because what's it? It's uh, Cassie. Is that a name from the yes. cult? The one with the one with the cult. They were going to sacrifice her. Yeah, like that. That's more effective because she was a really likable, sweet character who suddenly is now a mask for this horrible thing. And then when she fucking smiles and she wants to wants to go away, and she just smiles and her head just extends yeah, backwards. That's quite, that's quite great. Oh, I like that. So horrible. And then of course they 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 soften the blow for you for a bit. They tease you that people might die. And then in the last one, they kill off two characters in the last episode. Just kill them off. And they're dead now. Um, oh, the saddest... This, Spikes is great, but it's the reveal of Anya's corpse in the foreground yeah. as they're running out. And Xander's like, where is she? And like they're just having to go. And she's just there in the foreground. No one spotted her. And then it, Andrew confirms that she died like at the end. Um, also... She out hard as well. The final Angel tie-in is quite nice because it does pay off something that was happening in Angel Season 4. Like, that that yeah. talisman, that thing is part of a, the story arc of Angel at the time. Yeah. So they... And in that story, it wraps up and it's like, well, we've still got this thing. And it's like, well, I guess it's not for me then. So, well, who else could it be? And then the, he obviously goes to Sunnydale and learns what he learns. It's like, right, well, here's your super-powered like, thing to give Spike. Good luck. So, which is sort of like a cop-out. It's a bit deus ex machina until yeah. you realise, oh, it doesn't make him super strong or whatever. It will kill him to save the day. <laughs> so it's still kind of a, oh, shit. But it's okay. Um, we're going to get him back. Yeah. It, in, a, in a scene that's so good at the end of the first episode of Angel Season 5. It's so well done. This, like, swirling camera shot of this skeleton just reforming. It's horrible. Um, neither living nor dead. But also, Series 7 gives us Caleb. Oh, fucking Nathan Fillion's so great in this. Yes! He's so good. It's He's so rare we so see good. him as a... It's so rare we see him as a villain villain. Oh. Like, you know, Captain Hammer, yeah, but Captain Hammer's a comedy villain. Wow. Like, this is... So good. Oh. Just, it just he's, he's every, he's every, like... Oh, he's every Far Cry villain rolled into one. That's one thing you could take away. Like, he's so creepy. And he'd still be a really threatening, like, sort of mm. serial killer character. That's why I think yeah. that's why he's so interesting. Um, oh, and I think God. once once he turns up, those last few episodes of the season are just like bang, 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 bang. It's kind he's, of almost he's like the... waiting to get there, and then once it yeah. does, it fucking hits you. He's the closest we've had to glory in terms of just like here is a humanoid looking actor making the most sinister character they can. Oh yeah, out of out of what you've given them, like Claire Kramer's glory is phenomenal yeah glory's great. um and 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 it seems to be every other season really like spike and drew in ser- early series two and and arguably angelus at the end of series two but then mayor wilkins in series three then glory in series five yeah and then caleb in series seven where you've just got an actor looking like themselves being the scariest thing on screen in the show <laughs> surrounded by monsters and, and mutants and robots and all this stuff and yet they're the scariest thing in it um he's great and when he when he sort of briefly resuscitates at the start of the last episode and he's like all that goo's just like black blood because his blood's black it's just pouring out of his eyes and his mouth just are you ready to finish this was just spitting it out oh it's horrible and the fact that it's him angel and buffy take him down it's and again the they make the, that she makes the split gag and they both crack up yes that's yes. great but hold on like they both, re- they both realize cat out before it 
pulls a wire out or something. <laughs> oh god. Uh, in conclusion, oh, folks, if you really, if you really want us at some point to do a Buffy episode, because let's be honest, we we happily do what I think. Um, let us know, because I I would sit down to wax lyrical about Buffy till the cows come home, uh, and then stay home and wash their hooves. So yeah, that that's the thing that we could do one day. Honestly. I just postulated that if they finally want us to do a Buffy special, now's the time to let us know. Email bigdamncontact.gmail.com Oh, it's funny you should say that. Oh, uh, We've got some emails. Segway! <laughs> <laughs> right. This one comes in from Sam, who recently emailed us with asking for recommendations for... The Moon! Um... Asking for recommendations for Big Finish stuff. And Sam says, hello. Hello, Christopher and Matt. Hello. Uh, Question one of one. Oh. (laughs) Doctor Who DVDs. This one is for Christopher. I have DVDs as well, you know. I'm going to be doing it. (laughs) Just saying. Just saying, Sam. Matt's got DVD. Yeah, but you've also got a Plex server. You're too trendy. You're too trendy. Yeah, but my Plex server is populated by my DVDs. What? That I have ripped and digitized. Um, You've ripped and teared them, popped them in your plex. Yeah, that's what we do. But I love my. Oh, what's that? Ripping, ripping and tearing from that game, uh, uh, Animal Crossing. Yeah, that's yeah. it. Yeah, that's what Isabel does. Um, <laughs> so he says, "This one is for Christopher. I'm going Hello. to be doing a you and Lucy, and I'm going oh. on a Doctor Who marathon. But do not have oh. lots of money." Can you tell me what who DVDs to get? I haven't gotten any Patrick Troughton or Colin or McCoy. I have an Amazon list for Doctor Who DVDs and I need the TV movie. Good morning, good night, goodbye from Sam. So what you're saying is like, if, you ha- if you're not spending a lot of money, what sort of essentials do you want to hit in the range? I think so. Um, and you haven't got right. any Troughton, haven't got any Colin, haven't got any McCoy. So I'm going to oh, tell so- you right now, you need to get yourself two of the Sidemen. Tomb of the Cybermen, absolutely. Um, if you want, if you want a one-off, Colin, um, I would say, if you go, if you're just going for one, Colin, Vengeance on Varos. Yeah, because he's he's stellar in that. But if you can stretch a little further, get hold of um, Trial of a Time Lord box set. I can imagine now that the Blu-ray of it, of it is out, the DVD will be much cheaper. There is some... Mm, it's it's annoying because the, uh, Colin does some of his best work in um, in Trial of a Time Lord, but it's also some of the worst scripts he has. Oh, sure, but it's quotable as sin. Yeah, it's 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 definitely a, a guilty pleasure. I have fond memories of being uh, off school with the flu and just watching it on VHS. Yeah, good I mean, if I if I if I had to pick my favorite Colin story, it's um, Revelation of the Daleks. Oh yeah, hands down. Like, but it, but he's not in it much. That's the problem. No, it's not a very <laughs> Colin story. It's it's a great story, but he's not that <clears throat> prominent in it. He just kind of wanders around and then encounters the plot about halfway through the, the second half. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's just like, oh, here's the, the plot's been happening, and here I am now. It, see, um, see if you can see if you can find for a decent nick the the trial of a time lord box set because um, like Matt says the stories aren't the best but I don't think many of the stories in Colin's era are the best no but there's but a lot got, of Colin in that box there's set. a lot of Colin and he does good work 
and you get uh, two different companion uh, combinations and you get yeah. um you get a bit of master yeah you get a story arc which you can watch over the four stories like you know you get bonnie langford sing uh, screaming <laughs> in the same key as the uh, title music yeah uh, you get carrot juice carrot juice carrot juice um <laughs> uh, You'll find yourself using the word sagacity in response to people for, for months. Um, and McCoy... Oh, I want to watch Trial for Time Lord now. If you had to pick a single McCoy... Because uh, oh. of Fenric. If you had to nar- yeah, Fenric. I was going to say, Fenric. if you had to narrow it down, it's got to be either Fenric or Remembrance. Yeah, Remembrance is a good shout if you want a bit of Dalek flavour. Yeah, um, some good solid Dalek stuff plus very kind of it's the closest story alongside survival to a story that feels like the modern era. Is it, who? Is it, pro- is it probably the first good McCoy story as well? Uh let's have, let's have a look. I'm trying to remember what's up. See, his first series is not great. Um, his first properly then, good one, not like guilty pleasure yeah. good one like Paradise Towers. Which is, what's the first? What's the first? Oh, Remembrance is the first one of his of his second season, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. So yeah, it's the I first good. It's, it's the first good McCoy one. Um, yeah. Yeah, you can probably ignore most of McCoy's first season until you're getting into the completionist bit of it. Cause... Do ignore McCoy's first. Do ignore McCoy's first season. It's not good. Apart from Paradise um, Towers. Paradise Towers is bad, but it's fun. Bits of Paradise Towers are good, like Richard Briers and. Uh, the lesbian cannibal elderly women um, <laughs> and the pe- and the pink TARDIS and pecs. Um, yeah. Oh God. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you'll enjoy watching his first season eventually when you are prepared for the worst and are a bit tipsy. Yeah. But yeah. So um, so Tomb of the Cybermen. Tomb of the Cybermen. Should we, should we say Time of the Trial tra- tra- of Time Lord if you can get it and Curse of Fenric or Remembrance of the Daleks. Yes. Uh, for some quintessential of those eras is what I'd recommend. Yes. Um, in terms of other just general Doctor Who essentials... Um... <clears throat> the beginning box set, if you can get hold of it. Yep. Pyramids of Mars. Uh... Best Doctor Who story ever. Yeah. God, uh, yeah. Um, Robots of Death. Oh, yeah. For Tom, Pyramids of Mars, Robots of Death, or City of Death. Yep. Yeah. Or... If, if you're going to pick one. Actually, you could just do... Yeah, there's too much Tom. I can't. Yeah, we can't. We're, we're we'll be in, here all in day. our in our watch along right now. We're on uh, Nightmare of Eden, which I I haven't seen before. So, I've never um, seen Nightmare of Eden. We're having a good time because because we're on what season seventeen. So we watched <laughs> we watched Destiny of the Daleks. Christ, uh, and then we watched Not City good. of Death. Then we watched City of Death. City Fucking of Death hooray. is almost perfect. It, yeah, it's really it good. holds up so it's bloody really well. Good. It holds up so freaking well, um, and uh, and then we got through the creature from the pit, which I hadn't watched for years, and I forgot. Isn't terrible. It's just very soap opery, especially yeah. from its villain. Yeah. Uh, what's the name? What's the name? Adestra, and um, and is remembered mostly for the bits where Tom blows into what is clearly the knob. Of of a big green blob. Um, <laughs> um, it's so odd. Like, why? Why were they like right? So in each shot, we'll have one tentacle, and it will just look like a cock and balls. Yeah. And Tom, we want you to blow in the end of it. All right. Okay. I'm Tom Baker. I don't give a shit. <laughs> it, at the minute, Tom Baker, at the minute, I'm enjoying. Suggested it. Yeah. At the minute, I'm enjoying the job, but mostly because at the end of the day, me and my co-star go home and have sex. <laughs> so. 
And next year, I'll clearly not be having fun anymore. Yes. <laughs> not giving a shit. Um, which, actually, which really... to be fair, actually adds to his last couple of stories. Season 18, latter season 18 of Tom is enjoyably I, bored. I, I love Logopolis because it's just so melancholy. Yeah. Yeah. But then he gives it in his last scene. Like, he gives it in a way where you're like, he knows that this is the last that you're going to see of him and it's going to be used in clip shows yeah. forever. So he's really wonderfully twinkly and it's like, yay! Twinkle, twinkle, who, twinkle, Tom. Hang on, the vet from All Creatures Great and Smalls appeared. What's, what's Tristan doing here? He's all right, he's handsome. Um, he's a handsome boy. Um, what's an essential Davison? <clears throat> uh, uh, oof. Earthshock is one that people Earthshock. will tell you to watch. Yeah, okay. It's a good Cybermen story. Androzani. Um, Caves Androzani. Ironically, his last one. <laughs> yeah, Five Doctors. Because yeah. he is the most prominent yeah. Doctor in it. It's not very and... good, though. <laughs> ah, but it's a film. So if you're going to marathon, one of them's a film. Christopher Troll an hour and 2 is a film. <clears throat> it doesn't make 2... it worth watching. But Troll 2 doesn't talk about the terrible Zodin without ever explaining what that is. Sonic the Hedgehog is a film. Yeah, but does it have the terrible Zodin in it? Oh, no. Does it have... Not does it have probe. Ri- Richard Herndall eating pineapple to quote a couple of friends in their tweets this week like he eats pussy. <laughs> <laughs> Now there's an image I'm not going to be able to get out of my head, no matter how hard I try. Um, as easy as pie. As so easy as pie. Next one comes in from Ian. <laughs> we didn't give a John story. Uh, next one comes in from Ian. <laughs> Green death. Uh, <laughs> he's done this just to spite me. Oh, God. The title is... Uh, 80s film... 80s... Uh, 80s genre films that the whole family could enjoy. Beautiful, beautiful, well done, Ian. And the image is. I'm going to show you, Christopher. <laughs> oh, I can't. It's alright, I got images. What the hell is going on there? Is that the Absorbal Off in his trailer? Yes. Why? It's the Absorbal Off in a lovely pair of black underwear in his trailer. Why? Because my heroes are dead <laughs> and my enemies are in power. <laughs> oh god. Um this one comes in from Tom. Tom Hey Tom. Uh Tom is uh, also <laughs> known as Tom uh Tommy uh nineteen ninety five on Twitch. Uh, oh, yes, Tom. Tom watches the Twitch streams from time to time. Hello, Tom. Says, he says, he says, he says, he says. Firstly, allow me to congratulate you guys on hitting 200 episodes. Well done. Oh, Dan Kashen. To a nicer pair of blokes. Oh, Dan Kashen, Dan Kashen. Yeah, because we killed all the, all the nice ones. Uh, secondly, <laughs> who is your favourite out of all of the masters in Doctor Who and yeah. Ooh, good question. All the best for many, many more episodes in the future. Congratulations again. Thank you, Tom. Danke Chan, Tom. Danke Chan. Danke Chan. Which is German for thank you, Tom, 1995 007. Uh, 
it's Delgado. Delgado, yeah. Because Roger Delgado. The OG. Because he's just so fucking suave. The actor the part was written for Yeah. Uh yeah. he was introduced as a Moriarty to the Doctor Sherlock Holmes. Which is not to say I don't love all the other masters, because I I kinda do. Um, I mean, let, let's let's sh- let's shoot let's shoot through and give him a compliment because I feel like we've just got Delgado next. Delgado next. Um, like, um, so so who is it? Pratt is Pratt next or Beavers? They're basically the same. Pratt and Beavers, crispy masters, cool. They're basically yeah, crispy just... Delgado. They're creepy monster men. Sure. Yeah. Ainley, Ainley, tons of fun. Tons of fun. Campus Christmas. And then Great really understated and sinister in his last TV appearance yeah. in Survival. Yeah. And then Campus Christmas and his last canonical appearance as the character in the video game Destiny of the Doctors. Oh, I love it. Where he's having a whale of a time. It's beautiful. It's, it's actually perfect. Um, Eric Roberts. Uh, Eric Roberts is just... I don't, I don't hate him. It's just, I don't. It's masterfully bad. Yay. It's well, just, like, yeah, that's the thing. He's, he's going off of Ainley's camp. Yeah. He's, he's just doing that. It's yeah. panto villain. It's 90s panto villain. <clears throat> love it. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Where, where? Ah, the Asian child. <laughs> the Asian child. <laughs> oh my god! But like, but that's the thing. He's having, he's having fun playing a camp ass master, and he's obviously, oh, yeah. he's obviously had enough fun with it that when Big Finish have been in touch in the last couple of years and be like, look, we want to do a thing, and here's how much it'll be, and this, that, and the other. He's gone. Do you know what? Sure, why not? I'll do it again. He probably doesn't sure. need to. Why he's like, not? fine, I'll play the master in audio. Go for it. Because um, <clears throat> um, Pratt, Pratt Beavers and Eric Roberts are the three masters who are basically the borrowing, body-on-borrowed-time masters. Yeah. Got a real uh, ticking clock. Because Ainley's in another body, but he's not, like, you know, going to die or disintegrate anytime soon. So no, no. He's basically an incarnation. Uh, Sim, uh, Jacoby's brief appearance... Is, is just wonderful. It, it great redefines the character for a new generation in mm. about a, a minute. Yeah, like less. like her like her in Day of the Doctor. You absolutely buy that he is an incarnation of this character. Yeah, in a tiny amount of screen time because just the pedigree of the performer is is where they rely. It was what they rely on to sell it, and yeah. he's excellent. Uh, John Sim, perfect match for Tennant. Exactly what the master needed to be opposite that doctor. Yeah, that's when the master works best. It's the, it's the yin yang kind of thing. Hmm. Manic think, supervillain. I think the um, he's the joker. He's the joker. Like he's the joker version of the master. Is the closest you're going to get to that cackling mania. Well, now that I've said that, uh, now that I've said that, um, I'm not you, John Missy, but that's not down to Michelle Gomez. Her performance is what I like about her incarnation. Yeah, I think it's the weakest version of the master on screen. But I don't think that's because she's uh, poor fit. I think it's just because the scripts are bad. Yeah, or, it's that whole or, thing or of... generally poorer. But I like what she does with the character, and I like her chemistry <clears> with <throat> Capaldi and basically yeah, everyone chemistry with Peter is brilliant. Um, and her first appearance and the way she acts, the first proper appearance, like in Dark Water, yeah. and, and the way she and the start of Death, Death in Heaven. Yeah, um, There's that stuff's Dark creepy. Water like Death in Heaven. Yeah, and just the just the just the the easy like no sweat doesn't give a shit murder of Osgood and stuff. It's like whoa, yeah, that's great. You sort of go okay, this is all right. She's she's vicious, and then the fact that her plan turns out to be kind of stupid but psychotic, and you're like, like they all there's no, are. 
Yeah, but like in a way where you sort of go, oh, this master's not working toward domination. This is, we're in, we are in Joker territory now. Like that's where we're up to. And you can see that's yeah. a trait of Moffat's work. Like that is how um, Jackman behaves. Uh, not Jackman, what's his name? Jackman's the the Jekyll allegory. Do you know what I mean? In yeah. uh, Jekyll. Um, oh my God, what's he, what's he called? I don't know. Cause it's Hyde's got a different name because he, 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 kicks the guy, he kicks the guy's ass in the alleyway in the first episode. And then he literally takes his name. And I can't remember what it is. It'll come to me, but he he like the Hyde equivalent of that is very Joker, and yeah, his, his the way he writes Moriarty is very Joker, and the way he writes Missy is very Joker. Um, <clears throat> so that that kind of starts to break it apart eventually because you're like, oh, oh, she's the same as all these others. Oh, I see what he's doing here. Yeah, yeah, and he's gonna try and make her a good guy, and it's left ambiguous. But we know it doesn't work ultimately because then you got Dewan, who from the appearances so, we've had so far, so good. He's excellent. He's great, and again, he's like a he's like a manic little pixie. He's like he's like this creepy, um, dangerous sort of impish character. A manic little nihilism pixie. He just yeah. wants to burn everything down. He, yeah, he's, he's really he's, good. He's, he's like if you he's like if you put Patrick Trout and Sylvester McCoy in one body, but made them pure evil. Yeah. Like right down to his design, he looks like a Troughton Doctor. Yeah, he is like an evil evil second <clears throat> Doctor almost. Complete with the check trousers and yeah. like you know the the clothes not quite fitting and you know so I like them all but it's Delgado just the suaveness the the yeah the the glorious yeah. moments where he panics where he realizes he's actually in the shit and he's screwed up yeah it's the fact that you can have that calm 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 <clears throat> calm, calm 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 oh shit yeah so, he goes from so collected to panicking yeah. really well uh, Sea Devils he, is a, actually a really good outing for him. He likes being evil, but in the way where he commits yeah. his evil acts and then doesn't cackle, he's sort of like, right, could someone tidy that up, please? And then he moves on. You're like, okay. Um, Clean up like, that body. Oh, I'm going to go and watch the clans. <clears throat> yeah. Oh, my God. What is what is what is that story? His, it, oh, it's like his second or third. Which one is it? Which one is it? Sea Devils. The, no, no, no. It's like his second or third story that's like his fully. Terror of the Autons. Uh, Mind of the, Evil, the, I think, which I haven't seen. Mind of Evil. Mind of Evil is excellent because it's him. It's him working behind the scenes of politics and trying to get the world, like sort of Ooh. set the world at each other's throats. No, not Mind of Evil. No, Mind of Evil is his third one, which is also excellent, where he's like doing mind experiments on the prisoners and like creating a machine that absorbs pure hatred and uses fear to kill them. Oh my god, what is it? It's going to bug me if I don't. I don't know. One second. One second. I've got it. I've got it. I've got it. No, I don't. I thought I had it. I thought I had it. Oh my god, which one is it? Give me one second, because it's going to drive me insane. Because whatever it is, I've Oh, my God. It. What is it? What Unless is I've it? seen it and forgotten what is it. it, Shelf? Help me out here. Uh, not Mind of Evil, not Claws of Axos. Not... But hang on, wait. I'm it's... an idiot. No, I'm an idiot. You're right. <laughs> it is Mind of Evil, because it starts with all the political intrigue and the setting up of the, the world's councils, whilst the prison stuff is also going on. Okay. I think that's the one, anyway. I haven't seen point Mind is, of Evil, so point I is... confirm or deny. It shows how sinister he is, and like this, 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 uh, this chess-playing like evil hypnotist who like puts everyone at odds with each other, and, and the Doctor and Unit always tend to stumble into what's happening. He a real like, motherfucker, at, at, basically. At like at like phase nine of ten. Yeah, and it's like, oh shoot, yeah. No, that's that stuff is excellent. Uh, Delgado is so demons, good, so good. The demons, yeah. Was it um, what's his name, Reverend Magister? Yeah. 
just um, so fucking blatant. And the Sea Devils, like you said. Like, the, the, the he's been organising a plot from within his maximum security cell. And also, that sword fight is just glorious. Makes me rather hungry. I find it, I find it makes me rather hungry. Don't you? Just fucking, I'm going to beat you down and then nick your sandwiches. Just shoot! Oh god, him and John played off against each other so well too. Yeah. And, and I mean, that's why they didn't bring him back for so long. Yeah, because yeah, because it was like the tragic, de- tragic death of him in real life. It's like there's not we can't do this. So that yeah, they find the right now? they find the right way by being like, oh, turns out he's been, you know, like he's been up to lots of stuff since we last saw him, and now he's basically a walking corpse. Yeah, and and he needs to revitalize himself. Oh, that is great. Um, yeah, and of course, big finish will fill that in for you. Um, I'll <laughs> fill it all in. Big finish. We hate gaps. We do um, hate gaps. Uh, so yeah, that's that's our takes on the masters. Uh, not going into the big finish masters because not listening to any old stories. Um, <laughs> okay. Last email. It's a big one. They? Sorry, I got. I was thinking like Alexander McQueen. Mark Gatiss under a pseudonym, uh, and uh, uh, Jeffrey Beavers as a sort of non-specific incarnation. Sometimes the crispy one, sometimes another. Jeffrey and... Beavers. Yeah. Soon. <laughs> uh... <laughs> oh, and more Derek Jacobi. I'm sure there's been another master. Oh, uh, James Turf. Sorry, no, um, Turf Dreyfus. I can't remember. Sorry, carry on. Oh yeah, that one. Mm. Um, the the future uncredited, as we shall call him. <laughs> Last one comes in from Simon. Hey Simon, he says hey big damn boys. Hey Sai big damn Simon. He says I'd just like to thank the both or multitude of you, as Charlie and Lucy and Kanisha also make their appearances in various forms, for keeping us the big damn fans sane during this mad, weird, and turbulent time. Just like Alan Rimmer was brought back as a hologram to keep Dave Lister sane way back in series one of Red Dwarf. Not only have you been doing weekly podcasts after this day up to episode 201. Yep, this is 201. It is 201, isn't it? Fuck, also known as 20 zero. 20, 21. 20 zero and 2001. 2001. 20-01. Uh, but also daily Chris streams and twice weekly Matt streams, barring the occasional gremlin problem, on Twitch and bringing your fans together whilst keeping the social distancing rule and the occasional Big Damn Love looking forward to its return once this nightmare has passed. Yeah, I don't know what we're going to do with Big Damn Love. I think we need to re... We'll need to revisit the Patreon and stuff once once we come out of this, but we'll have a think about that. Yeah. Um, without, without going into too much detail, we were about to do something yeah. very different. And it kind of... Um, uh, about yeah. a week before it all went to shit. Yeah. <laughs> I know that feeling. Um, <laughs> hopefully... By the time you read this on the Big Damn Cast podcast, it'll be my birthday, May the 1st. So it would be an ideal birthday present from the both of you if you give me a Big Damn birthday shout out. Happy birthday, Simon! May all your Christmas it b- birthdays be, uh, be like, wash, wash your hands. Happy New Year. Uh, happy. Happy Halloween, Shrove Tuesday! Technically, it is a Simon New Year. It's a new Simon year. There we go. Happy birthday. Um, Happy birthday. Have a lovely We one. sing the song, but uh, uh, we're frightened of copyright laws from five years ago. Also, we'd be terribly out of sync. 
That's true. It's a bit of delay. Oh god. Things, and what what if we do it at different octaves and it ends up like that imagine video? You've seen the play along, right? Yeah, it's, the, awful. The, it's, it's almost beautiful. as awful as just watching the video normally. Um, shout out <laughs> must also go to Lucy and her crafty craft bears and the contribution the proceeds are helping towards the NHS. Ah, Keep up the wonderful and amazing work, Lucy. Uh, look for me and oms from the om squad. <laughs> Take good care of yourselves. Uh, all of you nearest and dearest. Keep up the wonderful, entertaining and amazing work. Doing a sterling job entertaining us, and remember not to overwork yourselves too much and take a break when you can. Thank you, Simon. That's a wonderfully positive note to end the show on for this week. Thank you, thank um, you, Simon. Uh, I. It's wish... probably a bad, bad time to announce this is our last episode. Yeah, right? no, no, it's not. <laughs> um, or is it? It's not. Uh, Six seasons and a movie. Uh... <laughs> Seven, se- five seasons, and then another two seasons for some reasons. Uh, Big Dumb Cast, 100 years of Big Dumb Cast, dot com. Oh, God. Uh, 100 years. Um, so it's funny, you say, it's funny you say that as the thing near the camera lens that I'm looking at you through is making the light in your room dim and bright and dim and bright and dim, yes. like a flickering, oh, like oh, a flickering oh, strip oh, light. Oh. Yes, good. As you be, say, hundred years, big dumb cast, and I lie on the floor twitching. Be glad that this is not, in fact, a video podcast. Um, but yes, thank you, uh, <laughs> thank you for that. Thank you for listening, folks. Um, we'll be as this, you know, in, increasingly fractured and strange time marches on, and we endeavour to uh, offer some sort of solace. <laughs> some sort, some of, sort uh, of uh some sort of uh physical relief some sort of bullshit um some kind of bullshit we'll be back some here kind of soul next week still separated by the barrier of quarantine and pining yeah. for each other um <laughs> so we should leave then... each other we should leave each other coded items and treasure hunt in our local asda oh yes it's behind the so, all bran. Oh no, sorry. the grannies have taken it all. <laughs> COVID items to get hoy. They've got to stay regular. <laughs> you know what? I can't I can't find toilet paper, so I need to make them as solid as possible. Oh just I knocked everything over. I just knocked everything over. Um That's alright. You know what? You're in really, a sound studio, it's fine. You know what really pisses me off about shopping in the time of the coronavirus? Yeah. Look at the fucking arrows on the floor! <laughs> Look at the arrows on the floor and follow the fucking arrows. Don't give me funny looks because you're getting too close to me when you're walking the wrong way down a wrong fucking way system. Anyway, you can come back here and <laughs> catch us uh, next week. We'll be back with some more. Uh, of course, Chris is streaming pretty much every day on Twitch. I'm on there Mondays and Fridays doing Avengers in Backlogging. Um, Twitch.tv forward slash Big Damn Stream. Follow us on Twitter at Big Damn Cast. And yeah, just check there for all the latest goings on. We do have a Patreon, but everything's fucking awful at the moment. So don't worry about it. If you do want to give us a bit of money, it's patreon.com forward slash Big Damn Cast. We love you all. Stay safe. And remember, just look at the fucking arrows on the floor and just, if there's a one-way system in a shop, just follow the one-way system. Don't give me funny looks because you just want to come around and get a bit play, play the music. Don't play the music. Play, play the music. Right? Play the music. Play don't the music. get too fucking close to me. I don't want COVID-19. Play the music! <laughs>